Father, in the name of Jesus, again, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here in your house, Lord. Again, we don't want to take anything for granted, Father. The fact that the doors are open, the lights are on, and we're here in church, we're able to worship you and praise you and give you glory and honor. Lord God, we consider that a blessing now, Lord, especially how things are changing and how crazy things are now, Lord God. Help us to appreciate and to, Lord God, be thankful that we can still come to church and worship you, Lord. Bless the reading of your word now. Anoint it, Lord. Give it life. Help me, Father, as your servant, to be able to communicate it effectively, Lord God. Organize my thoughts and my words. Touch the hearts and the minds of those that are listening right now, especially those that are at home, Lord, because we know in church here we can focus a little bit more, but at home we get distracted. We get distracted with phone calls. We get distracted with people coming in and out. We get distracted with all kinds of stuff happening, Lord Jesus. Help those that are at home listening online to really focus for this these next few minutes, Lord God, probably a half an hour. Help us just to focus and give this time to you. After that, we can go back to our own chaos, our own madness. But for right now, let's honor you, Jesus, by listening to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Very good. Okay. Let me read this section of scripture. This is the last part of the book of Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 7 through 18. And the Bible says this. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Verse 11, Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Okay, so now we come to the conclusion of the book of Colossians. And, but before we even move forward, I want to briefly review what we went through last week. And this is just going to be some very brief bullet points. Last week we talked about the importance of prayer. I cannot emphasize enough how important it is that we pray. Okay, We also defined the mystery of Christ last week. Last week we also defined what the gospel is. Last week we also learned that even though the Apostle Paul was in chains, even though he was in a prison 
at Rome, prison bars and chains and far distances were not able to prevent the gospel from getting out and accomplishing its purposes. How many of you know you cannot stop God from doing what he wants to do? Can you say amen, church? You can be as stubborn and rebellious and hard as you want. It does not matter. You can politicize it. You can, econ- you can economize it. You can educate it. But it's not going to stop God from doing what he wants to do, church. Praise God for that. We learned last week that people, especially non-believers, are watching us. So I pray people are able to see you and me and be able to see very clearly that there is a difference between the people of God and the people who don't know God. There should be a difference. There's supposed to be a difference. But if you and I are out there drinking like everybody else and smoking like everybody else and partying like everybody else and living the vida loca like everybody else, we're no different, church. People are watching us, and they know that we go to church, and they know that we're supposed to be Christians, and they know that we're supposed to be representing Jesus. And believe me, they're watching us. They may not know a lot about the Bible, but they understand what it means to live for God. Believe me. You should bring, your lifestyle should bring conviction on people that are sinning. So that's what we learned last week, okay? Now let's go to this last last section of Colossians chapter 4. Let's begin with the first two verses here in Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 in this last section. It says this in Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It says this, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Here the Apostle Paul is telling us that he is sending a man by the name of Tychicus to give the people of God an update on his situation and on his circumstances. The question is, okay, first of all, where is Paul sending Tychicus to? Let me read it again. Let me read what it says here in the book of Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you. I am sending him to you. Where was he sending him to? Well, what is the title of the book that we're studying right now? The book of Colossians. So we know that he is sending Tychicus to the city of Colossae. That's why it's called the letter to the Colossians or the book of Colossians. He's sending them there. And he has to let them know, hey, you know what? I'm sending this guy, and he's a good guy. You can trust him. They've never met him before. They didn't know anything about him. They had no clue who he was. But because Paul was now endorsing him with this letter, letting them know, hey, I'm sending this letter with this guy, and you can trust what this guy has to say to you. Why? Because one of the problems that the church at Colossae was having was that they were having a lot of false teachers, a lot of false prophets, a lot of false doctrine coming into their church. And so now Paul the Apostle was writing this letter to them. Why? Because he says, you have to be careful who you listen to. You have to be careful who you pay attention to. You have to be careful what you're hearing or what comes into your ears as far as what people are telling you are the truth. How many of you know that things have not changed? Can you say amen? Listen, you all, all of us have to be very careful when we watch something on television, especially if it's preaching or teaching. It better line up with the Bible because we have all kinds of doctrines out there, church. So he's letting them know, hey, you know what? 
You guys have been plagued with all kinds of false teachers, all kinds of false doctrine, all kinds of phony, baloney guys. But you know what? I'm going to send you a good guy to tell you what's going on and what time it is. Okay? So he's giving his endorsement, a very important endorsement from the Apostle Paul. Okay? And he's sending them to Colossae. Remember, Paul at this time is in a prison in Rome, Italy. He's in chains. He's in prison bars. He's guided by Roman guards. Man, Paul must have been a dangerous guy because he had Roman guards around him and everything. So the Apostle Paul, I'm just being funny, he wasn't dangerous at all. Okay? He was not dangerous at all. But they were they, were, they had him chained up. So the Apostle Paul is sending Tachikas to the city of Colossae to report to all the saints there about the Apostle Paul's condition and to also take them uh, th- th- to deliver this letter called the letter to the Colossians that we have been studying here in Chatsworth for over a year now. Now let's go back to the beginning of the book of Colossae. We're going to go back to the beginning now in Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. And it says this, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. So we see here that that, uh, clearly that the apostle Paul, who was accompanied by a young man or a young disciple named Timothy, is writing this letter to the people of God that were members of the church in the city of Colossae. We also know that the Apostle Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote this letter. This is one of the many prison epistles or letters that Paul wrote. And Colossians chapter 4 verse 3 says this, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Here the Apostle Paul is letting them know, Hey dude, I'm in, cha- I'm in prison right now. I can't get out. I can't do anything. I'm a prisoner, but I'm sending my man out there to teach you what's going on. He says it again. He verifies that he's in chains here. He's in prison in Rome. Colossians chapter 4 verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And again, as we said earlier tonight, and as we mentioned last week, prison bars and chains and prison guards and thick walls and international borders or language barriers cannot stop the gospel or the word of God from moving forward and accomplishing its purposes one way or another. Even though the government right now in 2020 is trying to put restrictions on the church about how many people can even come to church. Right now we're in restrictions and right now all we have these is these online service, uh, services. All I know is by faith I'm believing that through our online services, we're going to reach more people than we ever have before because the gospel is not going to be stopped. Can you say amen, church? By the coronavirus or by politics or by economics, it doesn't matter. The word of God is not going to be stopped. It's going to accomplish whatever it is that it's supposed to accomplish. It's going to get there because God's going to make sure that it gets there. Now let's look again at a map to see the actual location of the church in the city of Colossae. We're going to show this first map, okay? Those of you that are online, hopefully your screen uh, is big enough where you can see uh, this first map. Now, it shows here in this first map the city of Colossae, and the city of Colossae, Colossae is actually located in the modern nation of Turkey, where we see it today, the nation of Turkey. But in the days of Jesus Christ, this, this area where the nation of Turkey is today is called Asia, okay? 
And if you notice on this map, I also want you to notice the cities of Laodicea and Hierapolis. So we see Colossae, hopefully, to the south. And those of you that are in church here, you don't have have any idea what I'm talking about. So we see Colossae to the south, okay? Then to the north of Colossae, we see Laodicea. And then to the north of Laodicea, we see Hierapolis. So these are three cities that this letter actually is written to, okay? And this is the same area, the nation of Turkey, this is the same area where the churches in the book of Revelation are located. The seven churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation are also located in this same area, the nation of Turkey, which in the days of Christ was called Asia, all right? Now I want to show you the second map, map number two. It shows us the city of Colossae in a closer version, hopefully, all right? And again, it's in the nation of what we would see. Oh, too bad. We don't have it up here. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, where we see the nation of Turkey. You guys will just have to look it up at home. All right. And we see the other two cities, Laodicea and Hierapolis. And we also see the seven churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. Okay. Which are found uh, to be criticized or by, to be judged by Jesus Christ. Now I want to show you a fourth a third map i'm sorry a third map okay in this map it shows you the difference the distance between rome where the apostle paul wrote the letter to the colossians and the city of Colossae. it shows you the difference from where paul was in rome italy all the way to where Colossae was in the nation of today which is turkey but at that time it was called Colossi. And if we measure that distance, that's actually over 1,300 miles away. Now remember, in those days, they didn't have internet, they didn't have telephones, they didn't have uh, cars or trucks or airplanes or trains. No, no, no. All they had was their feet or an animal, if they were lucky enough to have an animal. So those are large distances, over 1,300 miles away. So If we were to look at map number four, this is just for fun, okay? Map number four shows us a distance of over 1,300 miles from Los Angeles, and this would take you to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, or if you go down the southern area, it will take you all the way to the state of Arkansas. So we're talking a very large distance. But how many of you are glad that it didn't matter because the letter got to the people at Colossae anyway. Can you say amen, church? Even though they didn't have all this modern stuff that we have today, it didn't matter. It got to Colossae. And you know what's even more beautiful? You know what's even more powerful? You know what's even greater than that? Over 2,000 years later, guess what? The city of Chatsworth is able to hear the words that were written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae. So time does not affect the Word of God, church. It doesn't matter. Time, distance, place. It does not matter. God is going to have his way, church. It doesn't matter what the distance is. And here's the interesting fact. Here's the interesting fact. The Apostle Paul did not start the church at Colossae. We learned this over a year ago when we first started the book of Colossians. The Apostle Paul did not start the church at Colossae. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul never visited the church at Colossae. Colossi. He was a complete stranger. They, heard, they had heard of him, but they never met him or saw him. As a matter of fact, to our knowledge, the Apostle Paul never visited the city 
of Colossae in any of his missionary journeys or in his entire life. He had never visited there. He had never seen the people there. He knew nothing of them except for what he was being reported to by the disciples from that church. I want to show you this video. We've seen it before, but I want to see it again of Paul's three missionary journeys. Now, as you watch this video, I want you to remember where the city of Colossae was in the nation of Turkey today or in the, in the area called Asia when in the days of Christ. Colossae was in the middle section of Turkey. And as you examine Paul's missionary journeys, the three journeys, you're going to see that the Apostle Paul never went to the city of Colossae in any of his journeys. He would always go around it, but never through it or to it. And so let's go ahead and watch this video here. I'm not sure if we're going to get it here at church. Are we going to be able to see it, Jamie? All right. So go ahead and show it on the online service, Joshua, please. And then hopefully we can see it here. Praise God. Three big trips. The first was around 46 AD. Look, we're drawing a line. Starting in Antioch, Paul sailed to the island of Cyprus, then sailed up to Asia Minor and visited the city of Perga, another city called Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. Then he did the whole thing backwards. Lystra, Iconium, the other Antioch, Perga, then Atalaya, then sailed all the way back to Antioch, 1,400 miles. He must have used a lot of gas. No, he was either in a boat or walking the whole way. I bet those Roman roads came in, Andy. They sure did. His next trip was much further. Around 49 AD, he walked to Tarsus, then Cilicia, Derby, Lystra, Iconium, Phrygia. That sounds cold. I don't think it was. Then up to an area called Galatia, and all the way over to another called Mysia, then Troas, and then he visited Samothrace, Neapolis, Philippi, Amphipolis, Apollonia, Thessalonica, Berea, then all the way down to Athens, which is the center of Greek culture, then over to Corinth, where he stayed for a year and a half, then Sankri, then back on our boat and all the way over to Ephesus, then all the way down back across the Mediterranean, all the way to Caesarea. Whoa, what a long trip. And then to Jerusalem, 2,800 miles. He must have worn out his sneakers. I think he wore out several pair of sneakers. And finally, a few years later, around 52 AD, he went on his third big trip. From Antioch, he walked all the way up through Galatia. That would make your feet sore. Then to Phrygia, and on to Ephesus, where he stayed for three years. That's a long time. Then all the way up to an area called Macedonia. Macedonia. I like that name. And back on another boat, all the way down to Corinth. Then all the way back up to Macedonia. Again? Yep, again. And then on another boat over to Troas, Assos, Mytilene, Chios, Samos, Miletus, Kos, down to Rhodes over to Patera, then once again back across the Mediterranean Sea all the way to Tyre, and down to Ptolemaeus, Caesarea, and finally back to Jerusalem again, another 2,700 miles. That's a lot of travelling. It sure is. It's like crossing America from one end to the other three and a half times and without cars or trains or planes, just his two feet and a boat here and there. 
It's pretty amazing what Paul did. And everywhere he went, he preached and taught people about Jesus. And the new Christians gathered together. They assembled together in groups in each town. We call these groups churches, a word that means assembly or to gather together. Amen. Isn't that awesome what he did? Amazing what he was able to do. Amen. So now we have those three missionary journeys. And if you notice, the main point that I was trying to make is he never passed through Colossae. Never visited there. Didn't know who the people were. Okay. And yet here he is writing to them. So let's go back to our text for tonight. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. And let's pick up here again. It says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Now, who is Tychicus? Besides being mentioned here in the book of Colossians, he's mentioned four other times in the Bible. And I want to read those references right now. In the book of Acts chapter 20, listen to what it says here. In Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 4, it says this. When the uproar had ended... Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months, because some Jews had plotted against him just as he was about to sail for Syria. He decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Perus from Berea, Aristarchus, and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy also, and here's his name, and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. So from that section of Scripture, we learn that Tychicus accompanied the Apostle Paul at least on the third missionary journey and probably other journeys, but he was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 and 22, it mentions Tychicus again. And it says here, Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. So in the book of Ephesians, we see that Tychicus was used of the Lord to deliver the letter that he wrote to the Ephesians. And we have that letter also in the Bible today. In Titus chapter 3, verse 12, it says here, and as soon as I sent Artemis and Tychicus to you to do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, because I have decided to winter there. So we see here that uh, Tychicus delivered the letter to Titus from Paul to Titus, who is in Crete, okay? And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, his name is just mentioned. It just says this in verse 12, I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. What is it that we want to take away from this lesson of Tychicus? Notice that there are really, there's really not much information given to us in the Bible about Tychicus. He was not an apostle. He did not have a book in the Bible named after him. He did not do any miracles. He did not have any famous speeches or teachings or sermons recorded from him in the Bible. He was not one to have a lot of attention given to him. We don't hear too many sermons about Tychicus that are selling out right now on the internet. If anything, his main thing was that he was a letter carrier. How many of you thank God for our post office? Can you say amen? 
I know that sometimes our mail gets to us late, all right? But we need to thank our postmen because, man, they deliver some important stuff from time to time. Can you say amen? Well, Tychicus was kind of a mail deliverer because if he, didn't, he, he was not faithful in delivering that mail, we would have never had the Bible as we have it today. But thank God he was faithful in the very little that he had. Can you say amen, church? He was faithful in delivering those letters from the Apostle Paul to the different churches that he was assigned to, even though, that's, even though he didn't do anything great except for that. If anything, he was famous for that. But listen to what the Apostle Paul tells us about Tychicus in Colossians chapter 4. Verses 7 and 8, I think, 7 and 8, and I think we could learn from this. It says this, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. What does the Apostle Paul say about Tychicus? He says, number one, he is a dear brother. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good compliment, especially coming from the Apostle Paul. He is a dear brother. Number two, he is a faithful minister. That's another radical statement coming from the Apostle Paul. For someone of that caliber to say, that is a faithful man of God. That is a faithful woman of God. Number three, he is a fellow servant in the Lord. So again, Even though Tychicus did not write any of the letters, did not do any great miracles, did not do any great fantastic things, and we don't hear that many great sermons about him, believe me, when you see that he's a dear brother, that he's a faithful minister, and that he is a fellow servant in the Lord, I would say that that is a very big deal, church. And number four, he is an encourager or a motivator so that we will keep following Jesus so that no matter how hard things get, no matter how difficult things get, no matter how challenging things get, no matter how much opposition we may get in our lives, that we keep following Jesus. He was a motivator, an encourager to just keep going. Just get up and just keep going. No matter what happens, just get up and just keep going for Jesus. Serving Jesus many times is very lonely. I don't know if any of you have experienced that. Serving Jesus can be very, very lonely. When you go off to work in the morning, many times for a lot of us who are Christians, it's just you and Jesus together. Many times. Now, if you have Christian friends where you work, praise God. If you have Christian people where you work, praise God. If you work for a Christian organization or company or Christian bosses or supervisors, praise God. But for the majority of people, when you go to work, you are entering hostile territory, and it's you and Jesus by yourself having to deal with the madness. That's the way it is for most people. Okay? When you go to school, especially if you go to a public school, not believe me, in private schools, you know, my, my daughter Jamie went to a private school, a private Christian school, but believe me, there are a lot of kids in those Christian private schools that are very worldly, very secular, very ungodly, very corrupt. They go there because it's a good school, they get good teaching, but man, their, their, mor- their morals and their, and their behavior and their attitudes, it's very ungodly. So sometimes, many times, especially if you go to a public school, it's just your kid and Jesus, and that's it. It can get very, very lonely 
serving the Lord and following God. Sometimes even when you get home, it's just you and Jesus. Because sometimes you may live in a home where your spouse is not a Christian or your family's not Christian or maybe you guys are not getting along. And sometimes even if you're Christians and the whole family's Christian and you're not getting along, it's just you and Jesus, baby. And you still have to do what's right. If you're a guy and God blesses you with a brother in Christ that becomes a very close and trusted friend, then you are blessed. If you are a lady and God blesses you with a sister in Christ that becomes a very close and trusted friend, then you are blessed. Now, please hear me when I say this. I don't mean, I don't mean someone who is going to get in the flesh with you. Did you hear what I just said? I don't mean someone that's going to be a friend that's going to get in the flesh with you. Believe me, you guys are going to tear each other down. You guys are going to tear each other up. You guys are going to damage each other if you all you do is just get in your flesh together. Okay? You get in your flesh and you gossip. You get in your flesh and you put people down. You get in your flesh and you criticize. You get in your flesh and you complain. I can't tell you how many times that this is a very sad statement that I'm going to make, but how many times people in the church, people in the church will criticize and complain, and, and be mean. I mean, they get, people get mean. And it's very, very sad. If you have a friend that feeds into that, I would say dump them. It's better that you be by yourself. Are you listening to me? Just better to be by yourself rather than finding a friend that's going to get in the flesh with you. No, no, no. What you need is someone that is going to get on their face with you. They're going to be willing to get on their face with you as you seek out God's will, as you seek out God's direction for your life and for circumstances. And they're going to say, you know what? Let's pray together, bro. You know what, sister? Let's pray together about this. I know that you're hurt. I know that you're upset. I know that you're angry. I know that you're disappointed. I know that things are not going good. But you know what? Let's not get in our flesh. Let's get into the spirit. Let's get it. Let's get connected to God. Let's get into the word of God. Let's connect with someone that can show us some scripture and give us some encouragement and give us some life and give us some hope instead of getting in this pit of darkness. Gabby, that's why I'm so glad that you're here tonight. Because, man, we need to be around people that are going to pump us up with the things of God and not the things of the world. It's real easy to get emotional. It's real easy to get attitude. It's real easy to complain and to criticize. But, man, we got to find someone, hook up with someone that we can connect to that's going to help us to get closer to Jesus. Can you say amen, church? Listen to what Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 says. It says this, many will say they are loyal friends, But who can find one who is truly reliable? It is hard. It is a gift of God if you are able to hook up with someone that can be a true friend in Christ. A brother or a sister in Christ. And when you do and if you do, it's a blessing from God. I want you to know that. But when it comes to the church and the business of the church, it's a team effort. How many of you would agree it's a team effort? 
Julie and I cannot run this church by ourselves. I can't come up here and preach and then go down there and do the online services and then go up there and do the, the overhead and go up there and do the sound and then go back there and do the ushering and then go back over there and clean the toilets and then go back over there and watch. I can't do everything. No, no, no. It takes a team of people working together for the glory of God. Can you say amen, church? And we have to do it with the right attitude. And tonight, I want to ask you the question, where do you fit in? Ask yourself the question, where do you fit in? If someone thinks about you, whoever you may be right now, if, I'm, if I were to mention your name, would they say to themselves, oh, you know what? That guy, he is a dear brother. That guy, he is a faithful minister. That guy, he is a fellow servant in the Lord. That guy, he is an encourager and he is a motivator. Would they think those kind of thoughts about you? Or would they say, man, that dude, that dude is carnal. That dude is in the flesh. That, that dude is nasty. That dude goes to church and, and he's, a, he's, a total, he's, a, he, he's a total liar. What do people think? What comes to their minds? What vision or opinion do they have of you when they say your name or when your name comes up? Are you considered a flake or are you considered faithful to God? That's the question. And that's what the Apostle Paul is teaching us here. I'm sending Tychicus to you. No, his name is not all over the Bible. No, he hasn't done any great things. No, he hasn't done any miracles. No, he hasn't done any great things. No, 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 no. He's not all famous and, and a superstar. No, no, no. But you know what? He is a dear brother. He is a faithful minister. He is a fellow servant in the Lord. And he is an encourager and a motivator. And he's going to represent me. And he's going to get you guys back on track with God. And that's what we need to take away from this here today. You know what? I'm going to just say this. I have two brothers, my oldest brother, Sal, and my other older brother, my other older brother, Ernie, who is under Sal. Okay? These are my true blood brothers. And I have to say, I don't know, Ernie, if you're listening right now. I know my brother Sal isn't because he's not into the tech stuff. But maybe, Ernie, you're listening. No matter what happens in life, there will always be my brothers. No matter what they do to me or don't do to me, how they support me, don't support they're always going to be my brothers. I'll always be there for them. They're always going to be there for me, okay? But I have to say this. I have to tell you, all right? When I see Victor back there, when I see Daniel back there, when I see David right back there running the sound system, when I see my sister Evelyn and, and others of you, when I see the worship team up here, I have to be honest with you. I feel closer to you guys than I do to my own brothers. You know why? My brothers are not here supporting me. My brothers are not here partnering with me for, for the things of God. Yes, they're my brothers, and I'll always love them, but they're not here. They're not here, but you know what? You're here. You guys are here. And because you guys are here, you know what? I say to you, thank you. Thank you for being my brothers and, and supporting the ministry of God. This is not about me. We're all working together for the glory of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen, church? Because believe me, if Tychicus was not there to deliver that letter to the Colossians, we would not have had this book. It would have gotten lost. It would have gotten lost somewhere. But because he was willing to do something that at that time maybe seemed menial, not really that big of a deal, not really that important. We have the Bible today. 
Do not underestimate your worth and your work and your ministry and your service for God. Because as little as it may seem in the natural, believe me, it is critical in the spiritual. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this powerful word about Tychicus, a powerful example and mentor for us. He is a dear brother. He is a faithful minister. He is a fellow servant in the Lord. And he is an encourager and motivator. Even though he may have done it, Lord God, in, a, in, in some very little capacity, it does not matter. He was faithful, Lord God. And that's, Lord God, what we want to hear when we see your face. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Those two words, faithful and servant. Faithful and servant. Were we willing to serve faithfully in the things of God? If you're listening to me tonight and you are not a Christian, if you're here tonight and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you here tonight, just lift up your hand. Those of you at home listening, if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to give you a chance to, 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 to honor God and to surrender your life to God, to become a Christian. All you have to do is repent of your sins and ask Jesus to be your Lord. Father, just say, just say these words with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner and I need you, Jesus, to be my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. I willingly open the door to my heart and I ask you, Jesus, to come in, take over my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, if you said that prayer, I want to encourage you. Call up our church. We'll get you a Bible. We'll get you some information. We'll do whatever we can to help you get on your feet to serving Jesus, okay? We'll do whatever we can. And uh, right now, I just want to pray for everyone in the church right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for all my brothers and sisters that may be watching right now, Lord. Especially, Lord God, those that perhaps have not had a good attitude or a healthy attitude or even a godly attitude when it comes to their faithfulness and their service for the kingdom of God. I pray, Lord God, that you will bring a conviction on our hearts. Help us not to be complainers and gossipers, Lord God, and, and critical people. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be encouragers. Help us to be faithful and help us to be willing to serve. Even if, Lord God, uh, nobody appreciates it. Even if people put us down. Even if people talk about us. Help us, Lord God, to serve because we want to please you. We want to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. God bless you, church.